This is Inside the Writer's Head with Emma Carlson Byrne, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2018 Writer-in-Residence. The Library Foundation's Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Here now is Emma Carlson Byrne. Hello, I'm Emma Carlson Byrne, this year's Public Library Writer-in-Residence and host of Inside the Writer's Head. My final guest is an exciting one. Jessica Strasser is next year's Writer-in-Residence. Soon, she'll take over for me and get the great pleasure of meeting and working with you all. And you will be in good hands. Jessica has a long career in editing and in authoring. She is the editor-at-large for Writer's Digest, where, as editorial director for nearly a decade, she became known for her in-depth interviews with such talents as David Sedaris and Alice Walker. She is the author of three international book club favorites that happen to be set in and around her Cincinnati backyard. Her debut domestic suspense novel, Almost Missed You, was named to Barnes & Noble's Best New Fiction shortlist upon its release in March 2017. Her follow-up, Not That I Could Tell, was a Book of the Month selection in 2018 and is brand new in paperback with a special Reading Group Gold se- section included. And her latest, Forget You Know Me, is due to release February 5th and has already received a starred review from Publishers Weekly and has been named to several Best Fiction of 2019 lists. She'll be discussing, signing, and talking about that latest novel at Joseph Beth Booksellers on Thursday, February 7th at 7 o'clock p.m. if anyone wants to see her. In addition to all of this, Jessica has written for the New York Times, Modern Love, that's the column in the New York Times, Publishers Weekly, and others, and she's a popular speaker at writing conferences. So we are really excited to have her today, and we're really excited that she will get to be the next writer-in-residence. Jessica, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, Emma. I'm so excited to be here and a uh, little intimidated to be taking over next as the host, so I will be following your lead. <laughs> yeah, the, the, bar, the bar is set very low. So <laughs> do not worry. I know that to be untrue. <laughs> So, Jessica, this uh, podcast is our chance to get to know you a little bit as the new writer-in-residence. So let's start with your non-writer-in-residence self. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in editing and then later in authoring. Let's hear a little bit about what your path has been like. Sure. Um, So I went to OU, um, to the Scripps School of Journalism there, and I was a magazine journalism major. That was my concentration. So from there, initially, I followed a pretty straight path into magazine editing. Um, But I was hired my first job. And the job I ended up coming back to was at Writer's Digest magazine, which for anyone who's not familiar, um, it's an instructional and inspirational magazine for aspiring writers and working writers of all of all types, whether you're writing, you know, nonfiction, fiction, children's, Um, And it was founded right here in Cincinnati by Family Company in 1920, which a lot of people don't realize. And they are publishers of the Writer's Market. Yes, exactly. A volume that we refer to all the time in our writer's workshops. I consider to be just really like the most useful volume any either established or aspiring author can own. And the whole family of Writer's Market titles, including books like The Guide to Literary Agents, which comes out every year unless agents who are and we uh, have one of the former editors Chuck Sambuccino was on just a couple of months ago okay yes absolutely so um 
So you're familiar, hopefully. people. Hopefully, if listeners aren't familiar, they should get familiar. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I think just in doing that job, I had always loved uh, reading fiction and dabbling in it a little bit. But I think just when my editorial work took me to the fact that I was editing articles on how to write novels and I was interviewing some of my very favorite novelists and other kinds of writers, um, which was one of my very favorite parts of the job, it just eventually started I mean I think it would be impossible to have that job and not want to try it on your own so I started for for many years I was sort of editor by day writer by night um, managed to land my first um, two book novel contract um, I think that was in gosh uh, late 2015 when did that you happened. have an agent first for that I did of course I was actually on my second agent mm-hmm. by the time I, I sold my first um, okay. my first novel so I would want to dissuade anyone who thought oh well she was just the editor of writer's digest <laughs> she probably just called up someone <laughs> right. she knew and right. you know I was on the same um, I can relate very much to the struggles of trying to find an agent trying to find your voice trying to get published I went through all of that myself, um, largely in secret, actually. I was kind of writing in the closet because I, um, <laughs> because I, you know, I knew that I was good at my, at my editorial role at Writer's Digest. And I, frankly, I had no idea if my fiction writing was any, was any so good. It would be so embarrassing if it wasn't. I mean, it would be like, so How can I advise other people? Wasn't. Like, my own work is not working. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, lots of kind of imposter syndrome no. to get, to get over Big at time. the beginning there. So, so yeah. And then um, my first two published novels. I wrote while I was still full-time as editorial director at Writer's Digest. By then, I was not just um, chief editor of the magazine, but I was also very involved with um, programming their big conferences that they do every year and things like that. So you weren't busy at all while you were trying to write full-length novels. And had two children in there, too. Oh, two children. They are known to be... People with two children have lots of time on their hands. You can write. They sit quietly while you write. (laughs) They're very respectful of your own personal time. Exactly. exactly. And your creative process and your mental headspace they don't take up any space in your mind at all not at all um yeah so so you can you can imagine why I eventually stepped away last fall when I signed my third um novel contract I kind of realized something was going to have to give in my schedule so now I'm contributing to Writer's Digest from the outside as editor at large and I am kind of a I'm a full-time writer but you know it's really well it's kind of a perfect setup Yeah. And I think um, but I really miss that. Uh, It's always been a part of my writing life to have that outreach to the writing community. I mean, I was actually doing that first before I considered myself. I mean, obviously, I was a writer. I was writing articles for the magazine I was editing. I was I was freelancing elsewhere. But before I considered myself this kind of writer, um, being tapped into the writing community was just a part of who I am and was really important to me. So I'm actually really excited to have the opportunity to do that just kind of here in my own backyard instead of doing it. You know, I kind of go where I'm invited to go or I go where Mm -hmm. I'm needed. Um, But I just, uh, especially, you know, having published a few novels that are set here and had so many wonderful experiences with um, Cincinnati area book clubs inviting me to join their meetings and things like that. I'm really excited to be um, connected in this way for the coming year um, with the local writers around yeah. Cincinnati. Well, and you know, as working writers, both of us, um, 
the isolation can be the hardest part of our job. Yeah. Um, you know, and leaving the office life at Writer's Digest and staying home more and young children, you know, we both have very young children, have a way of, you know, just sort of making you feel like you're going to go insane sometimes. <laughs> and really, there's nothing like putting on your big girl clothes and going out and like having eye time with actual people, other writers and talking up writerly things and being out in the world that makes you feel a little mentally healthier once you get back to your own desk and it's time to write. I think there's a good energy about it, too, just um, especially when you have those moments where you start to feel a little bit frustrated. I think um, that's my favorite time to go to a workshop or a reading or an event or something like that and kind of just soak up the ambition and the energy of all the other writers. Um, I find it to be kind of contagious. Definitely. Um, So, um, Jessica, I thought we would do something a little different today. So normally, um, regular listeners of Inside the Writer's Head know that it's sort of interview format with writers and agents and editors, and we talk a lot about the writing process. We talk about how to get published. And I would love for us to spend about three hours talking about those things with you. But since you are coming to this role as the new writer in residence, I thought what actually we would do is talk about some of the questions that a lot of the writers out there have. Perfect. Um, And, you know, a lot of people who are tuning into this podcast um, are people who are trying to break into the writing world and deal with rejection and have a lot of questions about agents and publishing and and process questions that we all have that really you can't answer enough times, questions that I still have after 15 years in this business. So at the last couple writing workshops um, that I conducted as the writer in residence, I asked the um, attendees to write down questions that they would like to see answered in the future. And they all did. And um, one of the very funnest things I did afterward was dump them all out of my bed and sit there and go through all of the questions and put them into different categories. And I put them into different envelopes, and I've labeled these envelopes. So I'll read you it's some a of the labels. Bag. Right. They, so <clears throat> this first envelope says, finding a ghostwriter or coach or editor. That's the category of question. Writing as a career. Publishing nuts and bolts, including marketing and contracts, etc. Writing strategies. Self-publishing. Something, uh, as an aside, there's a lot of interest in among the people who listen to this podcast and attend our workshops. And something that I am not real familiar with myself. So perhaps that will be something you'll talk about this year. Querying and querying agents and just agents in general. And I've got all of these labeled envelopes with me. And they're all filled with questions from actual um, people who attended our workshop. So I thought what we'd do today is something fun, which is I we would pick um, questions from the envelopes. And then um, we'll take cracks at answering them here on the podcast. Let's do it. Um, okay, so go ahead and pick a category first. I'm kind of holding these envelopes out like a, a hand of cards. Like I kind of can't see. It's a okay. mystery. Oh, it's a mystery. Okay, oh, writing strategies. Writing strategies. Okay, open it up and, and pick one. And, oh gosh, uh, there's a lot in here. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. Okay. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, this one says, how to discipline yourself to write, getting in the habit of writing. What a great question for you. Wow, I swear I did not plant that. That is like, as somebody who has been an editor, had a day job, had a very busy family life, and has written um, many full-length novels at this point, you are a great person to answer that question. Yeah, I actually get this question all the time. Um, And I think you just really have to be... (laughs) 
You really have to, I mean, discipline is kind of the right word. <laughs> you need to carve out the time. You need to want it. I, I think you need to want it bad enough to carve out that time and space in your life. Um, and that's an interesting thing because I, I think sometimes when you really get down to delving into this with people, maybe they don't want it bad enough and that's okay. Or just not at that time. It's too chaotic for them. But, you know, I think if you want it, you need to figure out um, when you plan on fitting this writing thing into so make your a, life. Make a plan. Make a plan and then you have to stick to it, which is going to mean saying no to other things. So there is some people never want to hear. Well, there's some sacrifice involved, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's true. So for me, I am um, not I actually sort of wish I was an early morning person. But for me, I'm I'm not I just don't function. I, I'm not one of those people who can set my alarm for 430 a.m. and then get up and like write coherent sentences before I've had my <laughs> coffee. Um, so for me, it was late at night after my kids were in bed. And so. But really, that's not just setting aside the time that for me at the time was probably like 9 to 11 every night. It's not just about setting aside that time. It's about committing to that for your whole right. evening, right? you could be watching TV, you know, Well, that, time. that also means saying no to if your coworkers are going to happy hour after work. Mm -hmm. Because I would know that, not that I couldn't have a glass of wine after work and then two hours later write, but it would make me tired. So it really means being very disciplined about your whole week. You know, if I, four or five nights a week, I'm going to be in my office after my kids are in bed, that means I need to say no to anything else in my evening that would derail that. Um, so for everyone, I think you just need to, you know, uh, it's not magically going to happen. There's not magically going to be a time in your life where suddenly you have all of this space and the creative juices are just flowing. You kind of need to make it happen. I'm assuming that's been true oh, for you. Absolutely. Emma. And, you know, just hearing you talk is so interesting because I am thinking back to um, all of the pretty successful writers that I have interviewed for this podcast. And I have talked in a couple of the blog posts about how the one of the really strong underlying threads that every one of them has talked about is the hard work that it takes. And we interviewed Jean Luen Yang. Um, who was the National Ambassador for Children's Literature for the Library of Congress here on the podcast. And um, he talked pretty much of exactly what you were talking about, about how he didn't go out to dinner for about two years because he was drawing one of his first graphic novels. Um, it's not to say that you can't have a life and like writing has to no. make you miserable and like miss right. things, but you have to fit it in. Boundaries. You have boundaries. to put boundaries around boundaries. around the writing. And right. I think like for me, I I already struggled with being a working mom and the time I was taking away from my kids during the week to go to my day job. And so for me, I really didn't want to devote my weekends to writing. Right. Um, so I what what ended up working for me was uh, existing on the smallest amount of sleep that I possibly could five days a week and then for the most part enjoying my kids on the weekends not that I not that I never wrote but right. so I could still you know plan social things or whatever on the weekends but um but I yeah I would say for several years in there I was not a great friend um I was sometimes you needed to tolerate me a lot as a right. as a spouse right. and a coworker right. because you do you have to put boundaries around it if right. you want it to happen. You have to fit it in. I yeah. have a, a a cousin I'm close to who is um 
Oh, she's just got this like silly little job where she's the provost of a college. And um, she also <laughs> runs marathons all the time. And at one point I was like, how in the world are you still running? You have two children. You're a provost. And she's like, fit it in. She said, you fit it in. You fit it in. You fit it in. You want it bad enough. You'll make it happen. I myself... Um, have this like sort of embarrassing system where I write like little fiddly things down in my paper planner all the time about what I'm going to do that day. And the day before, the week before, or whenever I feel anxious enough, I will decide like, when am I going to do my 300 words? When, when, when? And it's different times. Unlike you, I'm usually, I'm usually a morning writer, but it might mean getting up early if I can see I won't have time during my scheduled work day. Right. Um, or um, if I know that I'm going to be downtown today, I'm going to have to do it. Um, I did it yesterday, which is a Sunday, which, you know, I would prefer not to do, but it's got to get done. I'm going to feel a lot worse if I don't do it. Right. I also am a big believer in forward momentum. So I think that if you're in the midst of a project, it's easier to find the time to continue that project than if this mysterious writing you want to do is just like this idea for a story you haven't started yet. You just need to start. And once you start, it's easier to kind of make yourself keep going. Make a plan to start. That's right. Make a plan to start, um, like schedule yourself an hour of brainstorming and outlining, you know, or two hours or an hour a day for a week. And that'll be your starting. And then schedule yourself a time to start your draft. Or you you don't have to be in front of your computer, you know. Or take a walk or figure it out on your commute that day. Or... Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let's do another question. Okay. So I'm holding out the envelopes again. Jessica's going to pick another envelope. Okay. Uh... Oh, I should hold them face down. Okay, oh, so I, I just see. changed it. Yes, yeah, so she can't see the now labels. I can't cheat now and I'm pick right. a topic exactly, I'm more comfortable exactly. with. Oh, I think you're going to like all these. Okay, what oh, did we get? Rejection. Oh, rejection with and a it has sad a frowny face. With a sad face on it. Well, it should have a okay, sad face. Okay, yeah, on it. it's the least fun part. That's for sure. Okay. Okay. Oh, this is a hard question. Okay. This says, when do you call it quits on being a paid writer? Oh, that is a really hard question. That like strikes a little chord at every writer's heart. Yeah. I'll take a stab at it. Um, well, the word paid is kind of tripping me up. You know, um, if it's not paying you enough, it's hard to make a living as a full-time writer. It's not something I would recommend diving into. I mean, I I was on my third like sizable book contract before I felt comfortable. And even now I don't feel comfortable. I just say, well, I'm a full-time writer right now. And we'll see what happens down the road. If I have to put my editorial hat back on and shift, that's okay. I think relying on writing for your full-time job is something that I would work up to before I would jump into it. Personally, me personally with my uh, comfort level with that. But I mean, there's calling it quits on being a writer, I would say. Never. If you feel called to do it, you should keep doing it, even if you are only doing it for yourself. It, I'm, it, I would assume that if, you're, if you want this that badly and you're trying, you're spend, making the sacrifices to ca- carve out the time for it, that it's something you feel called to do. I get cranky if I haven't been writing for a while. I start to sort of feel not myself. But being a paid writer, I mean, that's tough. It depends on your financial situation. And I think for me, I, I try not, I try maybe think short term instead of long term, like I was saying, you know, like what what is going to sustain me right now? And if I'm not getting enough freelance gigs or if my book contract isn't the right size, then I am going to have to have a, at least a part time job and structure this life around that. And then I can re-eval- reevaluate that in six months or a year. Absolutely. I, to- I totally agree. I, and I would just add that a couple of points. One is that 
Um, you know, we all feel that there is nothing more disheartening than receiving rejection letter after rejection letter if, let's say, you're trying to submit your novel. And um, to feel like uh, you're not alone. I mean, writing is known as a notoriously difficult profession to break into and to make money at. I mean, that is, you know, nobody thinks that it's a breeze. So um, you're in good company. Yes. Many, many people have um, are, are in this boat with you. Um, the only other thing I would add is that, you know, let's say you are not depending on writing for your day job, but you would like to, you know, um, be paid for your work um, and you're submitting and submitting and you're not you're just really not getting anywhere at all is to, you know, I always feel better when I know that there's I have sort of an external limit because I feel like I then I kind of I can make a plan. So, you know, you could tell yourself, um, all right, look, I've. I've been trying for two years to get my novel published. Mm-hmm. I am I am just going to set this aside. I will not, I'm not going to submit for a year and, and, and or six months. Give yourself an arbitrary timeline that that feels okay to you. I'm going to give myself a break. Um, I'm going to I'm going to put it in a drawer and I'm going to just I'm just going to focus on other things. And then I also am going to make a promise to myself that I will get it back out of the drawer at the end of my timeline, which let's say is a year. And I'm going to take a good hard look at it. And if I feel like trying at that point to submit again, well, okay, then I'll go ahead. Um, but I am going to promise myself a couple of things. One, that I'm going to give myself a break for right now. And two, that I will reevaluate and see how I feel then. Totally and agree. I always feel better when it personally, when I feel like at least I have a plan. Because part of what makes writing really difficult is it's a big, big old mind game. No one's out there begging you for your next book unless you're incredibly lucky. It's totally up to you if you want to keep submitting or not. I mean, you know, honestly, the publishing world doesn't really care. And that can be very difficult mentally to cope with. So I feel better ten- as a writer when I have some sort of limits that at least I've decided are going to feel okay to me. I think that is that was one of my biggest learnings, too, on looking back. And that's advice that I've given to people who um, sometimes people will reach out to me if they've just had a child, whether it's a mom or a dad. Um, And I kind of wish during some of those periods I had just told myself I was taking a break. It is so much better than um, beating yourself up over something that, you know, and and rejection can be hard. And um if you're getting to the point where it's you feel as if you're losing your way and it's making you more it's bringing you more unhappiness than happiness in your pursuit i think that's excellent advice i also have a, a reward system for rejection oh, that's brilliant i used to actually celebrate every oh. reject not necessarily celebrate but every time you get a rejection letter whatever that little treat that you don't allow yourself yep. you know a glass mm-hmm. of wine on a weeknight or a certain kind of chocolate <laughs> bar or you get to go out to lunch that day or doesn't have to be financial um doesn't have to be an expense <laughs> if you're that person like s- scraping by with the earlier question but i think um because if you're getting a rejection that's part of the process it means you're putting yourself out there Absolutely. You can't get rejected if you're not submitting anything. That's right. That's I think that is so brilliant. I love that. Reward yourself. I'm going to start instituting that for myself starting today. Every rejection. Okay. (laughs) Because we do still get rejections. The rejection does not end once you become a published author. All right. (laughs) Let's go ahead and do another question. I think we have time for one or two more. Oh, wait. I'm holding them face down. I keep forgetting my system. Okay. Here we go. from the middle. Okay. Publishing nuts and bolts, marketing contracts, etc. Oh, my. Okay. 
now is probably a good time to mention that I will be continuing your lovely tradition of office hours. Oh, fantastic. So if people do want to come see me, um, it'll be once a month. They'll be announcing on the public library website uh, days and times. You can bring your questions directly to me and sit and chat with me. And I promise I'm friendly and nice. And actually, I will feel, feel very silly if no one does come to see me during my office I always hours, brought so. some work with me just so I didn't look too bad sitting there, but I can guarantee you that um, there are lots of people who are fantastic office hours attendees, and you will have, it, at least for me, it was the funnest part of the year. I just adored it. All right, Jessica, okay. you have a question in front of you. I think this is actually more for you because it relates to children's publishing. Um, it says, what should you do if you have a friend who is a reputable artist, and he wants to work with you on your book to illustrate it. I'm not, right. I'm not, I'm not reading if this person doesn't want to work with this artist. <laughs> right. If you don't want to work with this artist, you should politely <laughs> right. find a way to say no. That's I easy. Think. You should just tell them you don't think the partnership is going to work out. But if you do want to work with them, I think they might be asking about um, right. submitting with an illustrator. That's right. And this is a question that we have gotten a lot in the workshops. And um, uh, Jessica is, is half right. I am somewhat qualified to answer it, but since, since I write children's books, but I am not a primarily a picture book writer. Right. Um, and that's its, its own um, sort of fun area. But the short answer is that you should not do that. Um, you should just submit your own text. The publishers like to pick the illustrator themselves. And publishers um, keep the illustrators and the writers of picture books far apart with a wall between them um, so that they don't get mixed up with each other's um, work and art. Um, so you will want to just submit your text and um, let your friend know that they can, you know, apply separately to the publisher and, hey, maybe the two of you will be matched. But for the most part, um, unless, let's say, you are Oprah, um, you don't get a say in who your illustrator is. And in fact, sometimes you don't even know their name um, until, you know, the process is already well underway or completed. Um, so... This is something we've talked about extensively in the workshops, and I'm sure Jessica will talk about it more, but it is very hard for writers of picture books to accept that they will not have control over the art. And it is understandably difficult because the art is half of the picture book. However, um, that is the way the publishers have set it up um, um, to protect illustrators and allow them to work creatively and also writers. Um, and, you know, so if that you're finding that that bone is really difficult to swallow, then, you know, you may want to think about something like self-publishing where you can and your uh, uh, fellow artists can have um, full control. Um, but um, that is um, a question that we have talked about many times and will continue to talk about because it means a lot to people. If your friend is just coming to you because... Um, you are a writer and they assume that you have all the answers on how they could pursue getting their illustrations in a book. You could very wisely direct them to the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, um, which is a group that you can join and they give lots of information for, I mean, there is an annual membership fee, I believe, but they have, not much. they have regional groups and they have online listings and lots of specific information for how he could reach out and Absolutely. place his work independently. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, Jessica, we're all out of time for questions. I We've got about 100 more. These are good. Um, I might see if I can steal them. I'm going to leave you. them with you, actually, oh, today. I am there, there. I'm handing them over to you. <laughs> um, so just tell us um, a little bit about what you're going to do this year as Writer-in-Residence. 
Gosh, I'm so excited about the whole year. Um, it's going to be starting out a little busy for me since I do have my next novel, Forget okay. You Know Me, coming out in February. February um, 5th. February 5th. Okay. So I'm going to be doing some events for that here in town. Um, but I think... Um, so I'll be a little busy at the beginning, but from then I'm just going to be picking up where you left off. I have uh, three or four workshops that will be announced. The dates and times of those will be announced on the library website. I'll be taking over this podcast. I'll be on the blog. I'll be doing those monthly office hours. And I think uh, something that will be a little bit different um, with me is that my my novel from last year, not that I could tell, is out new in paperback now. And so a lot of the library branches are going to be using that one in their book clubs. And I think I'm going to be visiting with some book clubs at some library branches so around fun. town as well. So uh, so I look forward to uh, getting to meet more aspiring writers in the area and more readers. Well, that well. is great. And all of this will be available on the library's website um, under the Writer in Residence link. Um, Jessica, we are out of time. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. And thanks for this fun Q&A idea. <laughs> and since uh, this is my last podcast with you all, let me just say that I want to thank you for allowing me to talk with so many of you this year. Meeting all of you and discussing your writing has been a great joy. For the Cincinnati Public Library, I'm writer-in-residence Emma Carlson-Byrne. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Writer's Head. Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer-in-Residence program. You can meet Emma at various events throughout the year or at open office hours on the third Saturday of every month from 10 a.m. until noon at the Coryville Branch Library. Learn more by visiting cincinnatilibrary.org slash writerinresidence. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes and leave us a review. It helps other book lovers find us. Thank you for listening.